0: ESPN layoffs, a potential Pac-12 media deal, and no Andrew Marshan. don't worry, we have it covered. I'm
1: holding, Paul. I'm holding, Paul.
0: And we're back. The Marchand and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm John Orand, media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. And he's not Andrew Marchand, who's a sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's Paul Feinbaum, the host of a daily four-hour radio show that simulcasts on ESPN's SEC network, known as the voice of the SEC, but of course you know all the college conferences. What I especially like about you, Paul, is your journalistic chops. Back in the day, Award-winning columnist for the Birmingham Post-Herald, uh, the Mobile Press Register. One of my favorite people in the business, Paul. Thank you for filling in as guest host today. Incredible upgrade for us from uh, from Marshawn.
2: Yeah, John, and, and let, let me say too, on behalf of uh, all of my colleagues uh, at the Worldwide Leader, uh, we are more than happy that uh, Marshawn is off this week because. <laughs> We're, we're we're tired. We're tired of uh, refreshing his uh, Twitter feed to see whether we'll be around for the next couple of years.
0: <laughs> and by the way, I uh, shout out to Andrew Marcian who did that while on vacation. I oh. mean, that's dedication to the job. There, what well, well, well done.
2: It was insane. I I walked back from lunch on Friday, and I, and it was to say the least a, a terrible day at ESPN. But I asked one of my colleagues. I said, so so what's 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 the latest? He said, oh oh let me let me refresh. Andrew's uh, Twitter feed for a second. I mean, literally, that's that was the life that all of us people were living uh, on on maybe the worst day we've ever had. But uh, I, I say that jokingly about Andrew, but uh, he's he's done quite a good job of uh, knowing a lot more than anyone else.
0: Well, let's uh, let's get right into the, our show. Who's up? Who's down? Paul, I'm going to lead us off. Uh, We have you on the pod. So this is sort of a college media edition of the the show, although with uh, everything that happened at ESPN, of course, we're going to get into that in a little bit. But my who's up is the SEC Commissioner, Greg Sankey. Uh, You, of course, remember, it was just eight years ago. We had Mike Slive at the SEC. He had been in the job for about two decades. Jim Delaney at the Big Ten, who had been there for more than three decades, John Swafford at the ACC he had a quarter century reign at, at the ACC. So at the time, it was really Slive, Delaney, and Swafford who ran college sports. And today, is there any question that it's Sankey? In fact, it's been Sankey almost upon the day in 2015 that he became SEC commissioner. Uh, well, actually, it was probably about five years after that when De- Delaney left that it became absolutely certain. There, there's a reason to me why the SEC has no drama. There's a reason why the SEC's football and basketball programs, both men's and women's have been so dominant and it all goes back to Sankey.
2: My uh, who's up is personal because John, I covered this individual when he was in high school. That's how long I've I've known Charles Barkley. And I'm not here to talk about how great he is on television. That's been established by you and and many of your colleagues. But he did something the other day, and this is politics aside. I I stay away from that at all costs. But after the Supreme Court ruling on affirmative action, bel- uh, agree with it or not, that's, uh, he decided to redo his will. Now, I don't know how you decide to redo your will on the spur of the moment, but Charles Barkley figured out a way to do that. And he decided to leave five million dollars to Auburn University, his alma mater, to help keep Auburn diverse. And, and I just found that to be a, a remarkable gesture by Charles because a lot of a lot of people talk a big game and say you know tweet about how wrong politics are and this politician or some supreme court ruling but Charles actually puts his uh, money where his his mouth is although that's a that's a big mouth to uh, fill up with a lot of money Um, but I, I was really struck by that and aside from that he did something else which really impressed me last week he did what all of us have wanted to do for at least the last 25 years and that's called
0: Skip Bayless an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> and, and that you just did that thank you very much uh, since you went into skip bayless why why don't you take who's down now paul who's down is is absolutely confusing and
2: i, I i'm a golf fan but i would not normally be a consumer of the rocket mortgage uh, classic in detroit it's just not something with, without some of the bigger names i was interested in but I, I i put it on saturday afternoon for a minute and i saw ricky fowler uh, is is near the leaderboard? I said, Yeah, okay, I'm 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 in for that. I'm I'm a big Ricky Fowler fan, and I, then I find out it's going to be on in the morning. So I scramble around. And I see some of the holes on ESPN Plus and Peacock and all that. And then as it's getting interesting, uh, Fowler has a lead. He loses a lead. Well, it goes radio silent. I mean, all of a sudden, I I don't know what Peacock's mentality is or what their their plans are. I don't know what the Golf Channel's protocol is. But all I know is uh, like many Americans and people around the world, I found myself trying to find the end of this golf tournament on a sports app. And I thought we were beyond that in today's world. And I think it finally showed up on the CBS sports app. So I don't even know to say, I don't even know who's down, John. Is it CBS? Uh, They had to, they had to delay the, they had to start the tournament early because of weather and it was the right decision. So it was on in the afternoon on tape delayed. Is it the golf channel who, I don't know what they have on in the middle of the day. I'm sure uh, you know how to get out of a how to get out of a bunker during a during a rainstorm. I have no earthly idea. Peacock moved on to something else, but it was a total fail. Uh, and and I think the golf world uh, was a loser. I mean, I, I almost started searching for the Live Tour, but I had no earthly idea how to find it.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm going to give the who's down to the PGA Tour. That's a sort of sort of all encompassing <laughs> for you there. Well, my who's down again, I know this is a college college media, college sports media, but my who's down has to be Bob Iger, uh, who's the CEO of Disney. And what's the reason for actually doing the layoffs? It's to look good on Wall Street, right? Uh, well, when Bob Iger first announced that Disney and ESPN would be laying off thousands of employees, this was back in March, Disney stock price was at 94. At the time of this podcast, as we're talking, it's at 89. The stock price is down since the time when uh, when Iger started layoffs that affected thousands of families. It also hit scores of people who bleed ESPN, people like Patrick Stigman, who is a longtime editorial director for the company, who announced just last week that he was part of these layoffs. Doing this in four stages as well, it just seems especially cruel. It is especially cruel. And it's not done yet. There's still an unknown number of people with expiring contracts that are not, are not gonna be renewed over the, uh, the coming months. So I was very happy personally to see that the stock price did not soar as a result of these layoffs. And I am hopeful, Paul, that companies will be more judicious in using layoffs as a strategy to look good on Wall Street and actually try to make their business better. And that brings us to our first topic, and that's the ESPN layoffs. Uh, that occurred on Friday before July 4th. Talk about a Friday news dump, of the July 4th weekend. Uh, the New York Post, Andrew Marshan's not here, but the New York Post headline referred to ESPN as the worldwide bleeder. Uh, there was about uh, 20 on-air stars, Jeff Van Gundy, Jalen Rose, Susie Colber, Keyshawn Johnson, Max Kellerman. I'm not gonna name all 20. You, you can look at them, but those are sort of the, the biggest names. On the college beat, college game days, David Pollack was laid off I personally was uh, most surprised by Van Gundy, who I consider to be the best NBA game analyst in in, in the business. I'm not not sure if I understand the reasoning uh, behind that. These layoffs were people that had contracts that are not expiring. So they run for one, two, in some cases, three or four more years. So ESPN is committed to paying these people through their contracts. They just can't be on, on ESPN anymore. And if they get another job on another network, they have to come back to ESPN and negotiate uh, their contracts. Paul, you are an on-air talent for ESPN. You host a show that, that that's on uh, SEC Network. You appear on, on almost all the ESPN studio shows. What's the morale like over there? It's pretty
2: tough. And uh, I say that uh, loving my job and lo- loving the company. But it was uh, the worst day uh, in my 10 years at ESPN, and I I can't explain uh, Bob's thinking. I, I I think you have to trust his his track record, but it doesn't really excuse uh, the state of mind that a lot a lot of us, if not all of us, were in. And, and, and I say. As as an employee, uh, nobody knew Friday, uh, especially those of us who were on the air, whether we would be around at, at the end of the day. Uh, and it, it, I'll spare you uh, a lot of the things that have been said on Twitter and on social media because uh, it, it is a, it's a special place to work, but. It can it can be cruel, uh, and, and I think because most of the names were very well known, far better than mine, uh, there there there's a chirping out there. Uh, there's a lot of schadenfreude uh, from hey, uh, look who look what happened to him, or to her. But it, but it still hurts, and and I, I was probably most touched by by Susie Colber uh, when I read her. Announcement that she was leaving. I mean, it really got to me uh, because, you know, that's somebody who has been in front of the camera there for 30 years and who who broke a lot of barriers down for women. And, and that one really got to me. Uh, some of the other ones uh, you, you accept, uh, you know, Van Gundy. He's been there before. He's an NBA coach. Some of the other players have been in the NBA. But but, but those those, who, those of us who are not athletes and who have not experienced those, those lights, uh, I, I think it affects in a little bit of a different way. Does it make you angry? Yes. Uh, but, but who can you be angry with? Because the people that were, were let go, John, they weren't taken off the air because they were inefficient or incompetent. it it was a business decision. And and that's the part that you have to understand when you work there and and there's good and and there's bad. And I'll I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I was was having lunch a couple of years ago in New York with Mark Shapiro who at one time was a senior executive at ESPN and now is one of the top executives at at WME as you know. And he told me that uh, about two weeks after Three weeks after he he I think he left ESPN to go to work for Dan, Dan, Danny Snyder at one of his companies. Uh it was I think it was six flags. I may, I may, six I may yeah, have that correct. Backwards. Yeah. Um, and it was for an enormous amount of money. Uh he, he came back to the industry, obviously. And he said that uh he had like his air conditioning guy uh, come to his house a couple weeks later. And he answered it early in the morning. He had an ESPN t-shirt on and the and the air conditioner guy. He said, hey, I'm here, blah, blah, blah. He said, you work at ESPN? And and Shapiro goes, no, no, I, I used to work there. I, I now work, and he explained. He said, why would you leave ESPN? And it it, it resonated with me because it is that special. Uh, there's nothing like it. There, there's no other company in, in the sports platform like ESPN. And, and all of us who have worked there or who, who at one time did are, are proud of that existence, which makes friday so bad which makes friday such a watershed day a day that you start wondering and and in the end uh, i know most of those people uh who who were let go I, I can tell you uh none of them lost their job because they they weren't outstanding at what they do it was it was a simple uh return on not not return on investment but a, simply simply a, a ledger move for the company and and you already said it and i can't add to what you said about the state of sports media and, and and where we are.
0: So, Paul, you referenced this a little bit earlier, I, I, and and it's inconceivable to me that somebody like you, that has such a big name and has an, a a a hit show, w- would feel angst on Friday. Uh, you know, but they did say there are no sacred cows, although there are a handful of sacred cows. Uh, take me through your Friday. What what what, what was your sort of Angst level? What was your mentality like uh, when you got that first email saying this is going to be the day?
2: Yeah, you you knew we were close, and 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 I say this in full disclosure. And I used to be on the other side, meaning I worked at uh, news organizations. We really don't know, and I'm I'm not blaming anyone because uh, there are a lot of management people that I deal with that have faced similar situations, uh, as you know. You talked about one of my my direct report. You talked about her last week. Uh, in terms of the game, the games that go on uh, in terms of positioning, and so it's not like people say you're good or you're. I mean, most of what we know as employees either comes through gossip mongering agents, and I say that because they they know certain things, but they don't know everything. But primarily from the media. Uh, I, I'm not kidding you about. Six or eight weeks ago, Andrew called me. He left me a message. I was at the dentist of all places. I got out of the dentist chair, and and right after you have your teeth worked on, the one thing you don't want to see is a voicemail from Andrew Marshawn right in the middle. (laughs) I I, I mean, I I was like, this is it. I mean, and I I I say that not as somebody who's insecure, but it's just it's the it's the times that we live in. And when I called him, but it was. Completely unrelated. He had a question he had to ask me about something uh, that goes on in this part of the world that, that obviously you know better than I do. He's not that familiar with, uh, and but but that's how it is. And and I'm not I'm not saying uh, anything other than that's what I think most people deal with. And you know I heard your podcast last week about uh, the sacred cows, and you know there are very few I think, and I know I'm not one of them, and uh, most of the people I work with are not one of them. So yes, you 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 are concerned because you you know the company is dealing with whatever they're dealing with, and when you see names like the ones that went
0: down on Friday, who wouldn't be worried so the the Paul Feinbaum of today, we're taping this on on July third is do you have survivors' guilt or what's sort of going through right now? Uh,
2: you, you do have that at some point, I, uh, about five years ago during one of the one of the layoffs, uh, John, I remember not being sure you because you don't know. I had a friend in the industry uh, who, who called and checked on me and, and I said, I think we're OK, but I don't know. I walked in the building uh, and I, I work out of the Charlotte uh, studio. So uh, although I obviously I'm in uh, Bristol and in New York quite a bit throughout, uh, you know, especially during the season. And I walked in, and the person in front of me was stopped as I was walking in to uh, flash my card. And I, I I waited for a second, and I, I watched that that individual get laid off, and it 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 was painful to see. Uh, and, and by the way, it's not like I don't know many people, or you know many people that that have been through this, but uh, it's it's part it's a reality, but it's also the part of the business that that really brings it home. And I, I'm not asking for for sympathy here. we We are very fortunate uh, to be in this in this spot. And I spent a long time uh, as a newspaper person, uh, you know you know looking at television people with scorn and uh, <laughs> <laughs> with contempt. so I, I I feel like I understand both sides of it. Um, but, and I'm not trying to, I won't overwhelm you with, uh, hackney cliches that you know what you're getting into, but you do, uh, or you should. Uh, and I've had plenty of people, uh, text me over the, over the weekend. Uh, are you okay? I mean, in fact, you asked me about Friday and I got off the subject. I went out at lunch. Uh, I I got in and we saw some of the names. Uh, I went out, uh, to grab a, a smoothie for lunch. Um, this this was no day to be gone for long, and as I'm walking out of the uh, the smoothie king, which is around the corner from our office, a lady walked up to me and she said, "Are you uh, Paul Feinbaum?" I said, "Yes, ma'am." Uh, she said, "You know, i watch your show." I said, "Well, thank you very much." And as I was getting into my car, she said, "You you haven't been laid off yet?" And I'm like, Go on I mean, that's that, but that's part of it." Uh, and I said, uh, uh, "Not yet." I got back to to the office a minute later, and we, we learned of uh, more people. And you know, our guys, uh, uh, who who were in in that day producing, uh, yeah. I mean, they're, what are you you're preparing a show, but you're also, how can you not be looking and seeing what is happening around you?
0: We could spend an entire uh, podcast on this, but uh, you're so plugged into to the college sports uh, space, and I I want to pivot now. A couple of the big media stories. Uh, in in uh, college sports, one of the stories that every time we write about the Pac-12 or anytime we talk about the Pac-12, uh, it, it, there, there's such interest in their media deal. What's going to happen with their media deal? Where do you see that right now, Paul?
2: Well, it's it's just a continual story that that every time I hear or see a, a tweet, uh, Pac-10 near's deal i just shrugged my shoulders i was with the president of the university of arizona a couple weeks ago in dc at a at a summit about nil and i asked him because he was he was my he was the host and he said i think we're really close to a deal <laughs> now john how many times have you reported that uh all that tells me is that they're going nowhere and that doesn't mean by the time we get we get off uh, the air here today uh and this was, and this is published that They may have one, but the the fact that if they get one, it won't be a good one, and and I think that league is very diminished, and you still have rumors all over the place. Uh, The day I was with uh, the uh, the Arizona president, there were rumors that uh, Arizona and Colorado were heading to the Big 12. You have the continual Oregon-Washington rumors, so I, I, I don't think they'll ever be able to put those fires out, even with a new deal, even if it's with... Apple or Amazon or, or some you know, cobbled together group it's it's they're still in big trouble
0: yeah I, I feel pretty safe in saying by the time this publishes which is actually two days from now there will be no deal uh, there's been a, a lot of talk on message boards over the weekend about uh, Apple uh, doing a potential deal where that they would stream a lot of that I've been told that 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 is not necessarily close uh, and I don't know. I don't understand. Here's sort of my frustration if I was a Pac-12 fan is why would the University of Arizona president continuously put these false deadlines out of we're close? Uh, they're they're not especially close, but they're not far either. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm looking at it at like a, a big 12 sort of situation to where, you know, if you get I, I expect uh, and, and this is sort of informed uh, speculation that they're going to have something they're going to know where they're going to go in probably a month, and they're, they'll, they'll have an actual announcement around Labor Day uh, for, for for the next deal. And I know we we always love to talk about you know ESPN's out, NBC's out, CBS is out, and a lot of those talks have cooled. I don't like to say that they're out because uh, they're they're just cooling. They're waiting until a, a deal comes that 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 they can afford. But there is a deal to be had for the Pac-12. Uh, and I just think that it's the the presidents and the commissioner that have put these false deadlines on. That when inevitably they don't meet them, then then it does look like your house is on fire.
2: Well, you're you're, you're expecting college administrators to shoot straight <laughs> media. <laughs> uh,
0: when has when has that ever happened? How seriously do you take the rumors of? An Arizona and Colorado going to the Pac-12, or the the Big Ten uh, t- taking over a couple of the uh, the West Coast uh, co- colleges.
2: I think it's possible because to the Big 12's credit,
0: uh, and this was a league that
2: that I, I wouldn't have spit on two years ago when Oklahoma and Texas went to the, the SEC. I mean, it looked like they were broke; uh, they they had nowhere to turn, and give Brett Yormark credit. I mean, he walked in there, uh, he really inherited a a dumpster fire and he has turned that into, I think the third most attractive conference in the country right now, behind the big two, the SEC and the big 10. And that, so I think it's viable. And I I think uh, if you're Oregon and and Washington, uh, you you probably do want to go to the big 10. Of course you do. Uh, now again, I, I I don't know what they're going to be able to do, as you alluded to, but I, I would I would want out. I, I would not want to be part of the Pac-12 anymore because I think their future is bleak. And you know, we already have a, a an issue in college athletics with you know, the SEC and the Big Ten have just literally left everyone else behind from a television standpoint. Uh, so it's it's the race is now to be number three. The Pac-12 has no shot at that, uh, and the ACC is is really struggling. And I know we'll talk about that in a second. But so if you're the if you're a member of the of the Pac-12, I mean you you literally uh, are going to the dollar store looking for for other schools. And I'm, I'm sure the folks at San Diego State won't won't appreciate that. But I mean they, they were hot to trot uh, a couple of days ago, and I, I don't know what happened there. And then you know there are other schools that they're talking to about. Uh, certain things, but why would you want to be in that league if you could get out?
0: Here's a question that I have: as uh, I understand the Big Twelve wanting to to expand, that makes that makes perfect sense to me. Convince me, as a current Big Ten president, why adding Oregon and Washington to to uh, to, to divide up our, our media rights pie even further makes sense?
2: Mm, you're, you're going to force me to uh, admit that the big 10 made a mistake with Maryland and Rutgers to get to this point.
0: Uh, I just, just Rutgers, Paul, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I, I, had a, I had a funny, a couple of years ago, I landed uh bleary eyed at about uh, 1145 at LaGuardia. Um, and the first thing I saw was, you know, Welcome to Big Ten country, and I swear at that at that I I don't know how many drinks I'd had on the plane, but I could not come up with the Big Ten school uh, that that was connected to New York. Um, but I, I think back to the question: uh, they they really don't need them. And knowing the intricacies of conference uh, realignment, it is it takes a long time to bring a school in. Uh, I've watched this in the SEC uh, a couple of times. And it's it's a nightmare from a scheduling standpoint, but I, I think it's a gra- it's a grab right now. And they're they're attractive. And, and you know, why do you want them? Uh, because people are interested in watching uh, Oregon and Washington. They're very big na- they're very big names and very big brands. And you know, forget geography. we've we've we've, we've exhausted that conversation.
0: Let's move on to the to the Big Ten. They're about to start their new media deal. Still not signed yet, amazingly enough. Uh, uh, there, there's still a couple of uh, things that NBC's trying to get out of it. No problems there. It's going to get signed. NBC's going to have the primetime game. CBS is going to have the uh, the the late afternoon game and Fox is going to have the the big noon window game so that 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 is that is set and the Big Ten network will will take every everything else what does that hold up there like like what do you read into sort of the, their their new media deal that's coming out
2: the only thing I can read into it is that the previous commissioner Kevin Warren uh, just uh, either was hasty or his lawyers were we're sidetracked because I, there, there's no ever there's never an explanation of why you can't get these deals done. Once you, once you have the, the agreement to do so, I don't think it's a big deal, but I, I will offer this on the big 10. I know those of us in, in the Southern part of the world, are supposed to uh, turn our, 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 hold our nose and turn our face. But, but I thought the deal last year was, was remarkable. Uh, I thought it was one of the better moments that we've seen in college sports uh, to get Southern Cal to, to make that uh, trek over to the Big Ten to pull off an NFL-like deal uh, was was I, I was flabbergasted how well they did with it, uh, and that takes nothing away from the SEC, which has an amazing deal as well, and I think it will get better in time. But uh, that that was a, that was a major coup. Uh, so uh, I, I think you just get expansion hungry. And uh, you know whether it's greed or or whether it makes common sense, I can't make an argu- I can't make a compelling argument uh, what, what what Oregon and Washington bring other than the, the brand the brand value, and I think that's what it's about.
0: You have uh, you know one of their first games that they're going to have is that that big Maryland versus Charlotte game, which uh, I might be the only household watching that game, Paul. <laughs> uh, but it's going to be tough sometimes because sometimes they're going to have the fourth pick for for a primetime game and you know what's the fourth pick in, in, in the Big 10 I, you know all of a sudden you're looking at Northwestern versus Illinois or something I, like just kind of not a marquee game that's out there does that concern you at all like, would would that concern you if you were a, a media executive the problem
2: is the inventory is going to be skewed which is i think one reason back to your previous question John why or Oregon and Washington would help that but but ultimately consumers of college football outside of those loyalists like you who, who would watch
0: a Maryland game. Uh, Maryland, Charlotte is I, I actually went uh, I, I have tickets for that game. So I'm going to be going to that game.
2: <laughs> I, I remember that. I think that game was in Charlotte last year. I remember last I, had year. A, I had a friend from Maryland that, uh, that that believe it or not came in for it. Um, but the point being, uh, w- w- the conservatives of college football keep an eye on the scoreboard and if Maryland and Charlotte are tied going into uh, the final couple of minutes, yeah, we'll all flip over there. But other other than that, the tune-in is going to be very low. So I, I think it's the rule. I, th- I think we're but we, we have we'll have a glut. I know college football fans say there's never too much, and that's why the NFL has good numbers uh, the way they do it. Uh, so but but I, I think you're going to see some bizarrely uh, low numbers for for games. I'm, I'm I'm ranking that one high on my list
0: of bad a bad ratings. <laughs> It'll get great ratings in my household, Paul. You have several times been—I don't want to say negative because that's such a pejorative word—but you've been rather negative about the ACC and the, their media future. Why is that? Well, part
2: of it concerns the deal they have, of course, with ESPN. So it's always a, a, an interesting uh, journey to talk about such things like this. But it's as yeah, it goes into what the mid twenty thirty. 30, 2035 or something like that, and I, I think with expansion, you have a very, uh, you have a number of very anxious schools. Florida State's been bold about it. The president, the Florida State, has spoken about it. Uh, Clemson, others as well, who who probably, if they could get out without a severe penalty, would be gone, and there would be suitors. Uh, it would be you know, between North Carolina, Virginia. Uh, Clemson, Florida State, maybe Miami. Uh the SEC and the Big Ten would probably be uh, interested parties for a lot of reasons. Uh, but they can't get out. And they're very they've been pretty vocal about it. And at the at the recent ACC meetings, uh there, there's been there was a lot said. Uh in fact, I interviewed Matt Brown the other day and he joked about the the phrase somebody used for describing this the magnificent seven, those who who would leave if they could, but they can't leave. And and it's a it's a long story. and I won't tell the whole story. But also, but, uh, if you go back a number of years, the ACC wanted what the SEC and the Big Ten had, and that was uh, its own network. And ESPN made a deal. Uh, they gave them they gave them the ACC network, and in return, they signed this uh, grant of rights deal for uh, for a very long time, which seemed like a good deal at the time.
0: I'm not sure about that because when they launched that network cord cutting wasn't just a, a theory it was actually happening uh, was sort
2: of- i have never really completely understood it uh but sometimes uh john you want what uh the guy down the street has and and having uh watched the sec almost go to a network uh at the same time as the big 10 and they paused and they waited and then having you mentioned bob Iger earlier he described the sec network as the 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 most successful cable launch ever, uh, considering what it had uh, in terms of distribution. That's a word that, not very, not exactly operative anymore. But it was a bit. I, I was I was the first person hired by the SEC Network, so I was in on a lot of meetings uh, with Dish and 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 Directv. In fact, I did a commercial. Uh, for dish uh, uh, trying to get people to sign up. I mean, it was a different. I mean, this is only 10 years ago. And to think how different that world was. And the, it, it, the SEC came in a, at a, an unbelievable amount at, at, in terms of not full distribution. I mean, there were a couple of pockets in in Brooklyn that, that, that couldn't get us, uh, but a lot of folks could.
0: I love the uh, the Dish deal. I think Dish was they were the first ones to c- come on board. They, they never took sports networks, but they were first ones to come on board of the SEC network. It turns out Charlie Ergen's a big alum of a, a an SEC school.
2: Uh, that always matters, um, and, uh, <laughs> and and so is the uh, so is the president and CEO of Apple. Uh, he went to Auburn, uh, but uh, I mean, there are, but, but, I, but the dish, that, that was a big part of it. And, uh, but, but it was, it was such a different world then back to what you said about the ACC. I, I didn't, I really didn't don't completely understand it. Uh, there, there may have been a connection to John Skipper, who was the president of ESPN at the time. And, he was and a big,
0: big North Carolina alum, as you know. Yeah. And
2: I, I mean, that, that was a move that really ruffled feathers uh, talking uh, inside baseball, because the SEC felt like, uh, that had been promised that that would never happen, and when it did, uh, the, it, it was, it was a, there was a sub-zero uh, temperature relationship between uh, the SEC and some top people at ESPN.
0: So let me ask you about um, Clemson and Florida State in particular, because they, they they've been the most vocal about about sort of wanting to get into the, the SEC. I don't see there as being a lot of suitors there. But maybe I'm over uh, estimating the market. Like you already have South Carolina with, uh, with uh, South Carolina, and you already have Florida with uh, you know with, with, with Florida. Like what would entice the SEC to say, yeah, let's just spread our uh, spread our media money to these two extra schools when we already have those those bases covered?
2: I think that's conventional wisdom, and the real question is. How how do networks view uh, the the landscape today? Is is is, the, is a market important or is a brand important? And I I, I suspect the brand is becoming uh, more important because yeah you're not going to head too many more households in in South Carolina, but I'm not I'm not sure that's really the issue. And sometimes you get schools. I've heard uh, North Carolina and Virginia just thrown up in the air as possibilities for the Big Ten. Why? Uh, some of it has to do with academics, uh, and, and I, I know that's a word hardly ever used.
0: <laughs> yeah. in, I don't in believe we have ever sports. said that word once on this podcast, Paul. So, well, well, good.
2: But the Big Ten loves to pride itself on, on having uh, AAU-sanctioned universities. I won't explain. That's not an athletic term. That's an academic term, and that means that you are top of the shelf, uh, and the only, I think, non-AAU school in the Big Ten is Nebraska.
0: I find that to be fascinating and i think you're probably right because when the big 10 launched we're going on like 20 years i guess it's like 17 years ago you know they wanted rutgers for what you saw in LaGuardia. you know we get now the sure. the oh, yeah. new york market not for viewership but because all of a sudden that the cable operators and and satellite companies had to have big 10 network in new york which just printed money same thing for maryland in the in the whole dc dm uh DMA, DC Baltimore. And uh, and it, it is changing now because you don't, you know, with cord cutting and with streaming, you don't necessarily need to get into these markets so much. So you do want the, the biggest brands, which is something I've been sort of late to late to seeing. And uh, you, you made a good point about that. Yeah, you know, John, if you go back 13 years ago,
2: the Pac-12 came within a whisker of, of getting Texas. Uh, and that move was, was predicated more on academics because Texas felt like it was it was in with a, you know, a bunch of narrative walls in the big 12. And they they wanted to roll with uh, Cal Berkeley and Stanford and UCLA and, and, and USC and that, and that almost happened too. Uh but Texas AM and politics got in the way. And ultimately here we are a couple of years, 13 years later, Texas has moved east as opposed to west.
0: Now, when I did my who's up uh, today, I did it with Greg Sankey. I Almost did Brett Yormark because I have been so. uh, I just think that he's taken big risks and they've all paid off. Like he went, he went big in terms of uh, trying to get the media deal done early. You know, and there there was some risk to that, but he ended up beating the Pac-12 to the punch on that. You made an interesting comment earlier in this pod where you would rank the Big 12 potentially ahead of the ACC, which uh, which caught me off guard. Explain that a little bit.
2: Well, but I, I think you look at the four schools they've just taken in. Uh, you, you look at what they have; they have a lot of momentum, and and some of this may be uh, you know, prisoner of the moment with TCU having played for the national championship. Well, they didn't. They they appeared in the national championship game. Let me let me re- refresh that. They didn't really play. They lost sixty-five to three or six or whatever it was. It was a disaster. <laughs> um, but I like your mark. I think he's making interesting deals. I think there's a lot of momentum. You don't have Big 12 schools looking around. You have schools looking to the Big 12. Well, even though I, I think Jim Phillips, who, who's now the the ACC commissioner, uh, really is somewhat uh, handcuffed uh, because of the previous deals, they, they they seem to be a little bit stuck. Uh, and I think everything in, in in our world, you know this because you talk about it every every day and every week is, is momentum. And the Big 12 has momentum. Uh, and, and I think the ACC is trying to find itself. I mean, that, that AC, if, you, if you were a fly on the wall at the ACC spring meetings, I mean, it was chaos for a couple of days. And then they all came out and, and sang kumbaya. But but nobody believed it. And the Big 12 on the field this year will be interesting to watch with uh, with some of the new schools. Cincinnati a big uh, is a is a major addition uh, getting into Florida with with UCF, uh, Houston, uh, has a very successful program and and you you go West as well with, with, with BYU. So there's a, there's a lot there and you don't hear about the ACC expanding because we're, they're not, they're stuck. And I think it comes, you know, I'm sure I'll, I'll leave it to my, I'll leave it to John Skipper to uh, opine. I'm sure he's available. Uh, but, but I think that deal really, uh, really took some of the wind out of their sails and and they also need to be relevant uh, all the time and clemson was was their leader for a number of years and uh, clemson could get back in in the national picture they're they're not far from it but going off the the radar for a couple years has not helped uh what is the acc known for basketball uh i don't need to ask you about that i mean it, it it i think for too long the acc stayed with basketball as its number one sport and they, 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 and they realized uh, as great as basketball had, had been in the ACC, it's not enough. And college basketball is, is, is a subject for another day here, but it's also a diminished sport from a television standpoint.
0: Isn't that incredible? We, we don't talk about basketball when we talk about these media deals at all. One, one more quick question on the ACC. Are we going to see Clemson and Florida State getting paid more than Wake Forest and Boston College? Is that something that's going to happen or no? I mean, it's certainly on the
2: table, and I think it's a bad thing to do. Uh, and if you if you wonder if dividing the, the pie up uh, unevenly is a good idea, just ask uh, Missouri and Nebraska and Texas A&M uh, about how they uh, dealt with Texas getting its own network about 15 years ago. Uh, that, that, the, the Longhorn Network, which only has a few more months of existence, uh, really did tremendous harm. Uh, to the the big the big 12 and uh, i think you,
0: at least three members and maybe more uh, bailed out as a result well paul if it's the marsh and oran sports media podcast we always have to end it with our call <laughs> of the week call of the week all right with uh andrew marsh on vacation i almost always use this spot to have kevin brown calling an adley rushman home run for for the orioles or the orioles have been on a losing streak i haven't been to, sorry kevin haven't been too many great calls so i am going to go for a literal call of the week and we have jim from tuscaloosa take it over jim
1: no you're not going to talk to me paul but you know you are a jerk you you really are a jerk now, if you let me finish i know you want to interrupt me like you did cletus that guy makes sense you know i've added to the show but you know, you have stirred up all this crap over the last ten or, 50, or last five or six years against me. You've you caused these people to do this. You've made me mad, and you and I do lose my coup because it so it enrages me the lies you've told about me. But again, I have you told me when I first got on the show, Paul. You said you're a very smart guy. You're compelling. You you you, you bring a lot to that. And when I was talking football, which I knew, I mean, which you knew, I knew a lot about football. The way I talked about it, you knew that. You admitted that. But now you get on here and you want to condemn me. You want to make a a mark out of me because you're like you're like the uh, Democrats, Paul. And I think you are a Democrat. But you want to bash me, and that makes your show. You this whole day proves one thing: you make your show off me. You got no show without me. I said, and I I don't say that braggadociously. It's a fact. You can't have a show now without me, without my name being brought. You bring it up. If I don't call for three weeks, you bring my name up every day because you don't get, like, the Cletus made points. He made real good points. The show is so stinking dull now, and I actually wanted to help you. I don't care about you anymore. I hope your show goes straight to hell because I, I hope you do too because that's how horrible and mean and evil you are to me. You've been a personal evil menace to me. You really have. And I, I can't stand you. But I think you will fail because of the type of person you are. You have no character, Paul. You have no character. You're immorally corrupt. I, I, and I'm glad you finally set, let me say what I feel. And you've caused this because of the way you mistreated me. You hadn't treated me right. You treated me great when I helped you show the first few years and, and brought something that you wanted, which is sports talk. I don't do that anymore. I told you why.
2: Am I allowed to talk?
1: I finished. Paul, well, what gives? He doesn't like you very much.
2: Uh, the, the Paul Feinbaum show is known for a lot of things, but mostly it's known for callers. Uh, we had a caller uh, named Harvey Updike call in 2011 that admitted to a felony live on the air poisoning the Tumors tree. But but Jim from Tuscaloosa is probably the best-known caller. And there's more to the story than, than even that rant. This is a guy, John, that has tried to convince the audience that, he once was one of the greatest athletes in the world. And we got into a discussion one day, he got hurt in high school or something. Uh, he told me he had a triple a contract, but he decided not to do it. But I got into an argument with him one day about how good of a hitter he was. And, and I, we, we have the tape to back this up. And I said, well, you, were you, how good a hitter he's? I was an incredible hitter. I said, and I started throwing some names out from, from my youth. I mean, I said, uh, you know, it just kind of went down the the, the list. Uh, I said, so finally I got down to like th- maybe the third best hitter of all time or second best hitter. I said, are you are were you better than Willie Mays? He said, oh yeah, said, I was, be- I, was be- I said, so you're better than Willie Mays? I said, Hank Aaron better than Hank Aaron? I said, Jim, Ted Williams is considered the greatest hitter in Major League Baseball history. Were you better better than Ted Williams? He said, I was better than Ted Williams. <laughs> He said, I mean, you just heard the guy. I don't need to convince you. And to this day, uh, he disputes that, I, that, I, that, I, that, that he said he was better than Ted Williams. He said he was as good as Ted
0: Williams. <laughs> it's a fine line there, Paul. Very fine. At what point, I love listening to the callers. It is, I mean, it's the best part, the uh, most entertaining part of, of your show. At what point did you realize that was going to be such, such a goldmine for your show?
2: it was early on. We were in Birmingham, Alabama. We were not heard outside of there. And I, I couldn't get the the, the big ESPNers, uh, the big guests. So, so we, we people started calling in, we would pit them against each other. And it just, it, it happened. And once we uh, started moving up a little bit, we got, we got on satellite radio in, in, in 2010. Uh, then the update call happened. And there was that, that one call John, the Harvey Updike call that that it was it was so chilling that this Alabama fan uh, poisoned the most iconic uh, monument, so to speak, at, at Auburn University, and he did it because uh, that the he did it because Cam Newton had led Auburn down 24 points in Tuscaloosa to a win over Alabama and they ended up winning the national championship. And we later found out that this guy Harvey Updike was a 63-year-old man who was a former state trooper in, in Texas. His uh he was obsessed with Alabama. They found when when they when they when they busted him, they found like four or five hundred Alabama hats at his house. They later discovered that his uh his his son was was named Bear in honor of Bear Bryant. His daughter was named Crimson Tide, T-Y-D-E, and uh, he he wanted uh, to name, he named his dog Nick Saban. Um, I mean,
0: I don't need to offer a psychiatric evaluation, do I? (laughs) I thought I was a big Maryland fan. Apparently, I'm not. Amazing. Amazing. Paul, uh, I can't thank you enough for being a co-host. I, I thought this was fa- fantastic. We're, we're at the end of the pod. So it's a uh, time to thank everybody for listening. Say, please go rate us five stars, comments or whatever. But I'd love to have you back. I thought this, uh, th- th- this, this was a lot of fun. I, I could go on for twi- twice as long.
2: Yeah, the pleasure was mine. Uh, I know it was. There probably have been better days for somebody like me to show up on this thing, but uh, I, I deeply appreciate the invitation, and I'm I'm a huge fan of of this pod. Even 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 Andrew,
0: <laughs> but not those calls where he leaves the voicemail. Yeah, got it, got it. Uh th- Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you especially Paul Feinbaum.